Welcome back to the Fenway Rundown, Mass Lives Red Sox podcast. I'm Chris Cotillo, your host. First of two this week on the show as we come at you on a Wednesday. Red Sox are still home uh, at what has been a rainy Fenway Park all year. I think it's been at least every game I've covered here. The weather has been pretty bad, but I guess that's what you get for April and May in Boston. We're talking about the 17 and 14 Red Sox who are surging right now. Four straight wins. You know, finishing the weekend with two wins out of three over the Guardians and then winning the first two games to start against Toronto. And, you know, this is a, a stretch of really good teams and the Red Sox so far have shown up. A three and three road trip in Milwaukee and Baltimore and now a good start to the homestand. So today's show is going to be split into two parts. Uh, the first part is going to be me, me going solo. Um, I think we're going to have a different looking podcast here in the next couple of weeks, just to be candid. As everybody knows, we at Mass Live, uh, under the leadership of the great Jim Pignatello, had a couple of massive hires this week. Sean McAdam, longtime Red Sox beat writer, uh, coming over from Boston Sports Journal. Sean is one of my best friends, and um, I'm very, very excited to have him. Uh, part of that, I think, is going to be he's going to have a very large role on the Fenway Rundown. Obviously, all his experience over the years um, on the radio, uh, the big show, and Comcast Sportsnet and uh, which is now NBC Sports Boston. I think you know, he's obviously a natural fit on Airwise. And so we're going to you know talk about exactly how he fits in, but I think it's going to be a big role. So you see those changes, you know, starting really next week when he starts and comes aboard with us. Also very excited to have Karen Garigian on board and, um, you know, covering the Patriots and leading that, that team with Mark Daniels and Chris Mason. So the Mass Live sta- uh, staff is stacked. I mean, I tweeted the other day, it's like the dream team, uh, U.S. Olympic basketball. And, uh, there's going to be effects on the podcast, but for now, still just me, and um, we're going to do a two-parter. Part one, take you through, I was going to be a five up and five down on the Red Sox so far this season. Um, we're going to do six up and four down instead, because I think that, you know, there have been, uh, as the record would indicate, and as watching the team would indicate on a daily basis, more positives than negatives, and um, we're going to we're gonna appreciate that. The second part, you're going to hear Alex Verdugo, a quick four-minute one-on-one interview I did with him last night in the home clubhouse of Fenway Park. Tonight, the Red Sox are going to face off against the Toronto Blue Jays and Alec Manoa. For those of you who remember, almost exactly a month ago, uh, Verdugo went on the Baseball Isn't Boring podcast with Rob Bradford and said unprompted and kind of out of the blue that he didn't like the way that Alec Manoa went about his business on the field, some of the antics, some of the celebrations. Manoa fired back. There was some controversy um, involving those two guys. And um, I think that uh, it was worthwhile to follow up with Verdugo and did so last night. And his comments were pretty interesting. He said he regrets it. He wishes the media, um, you know, he, or he wishes he wouldn't have said it in the media that he could talk to Manoa in person. He doesn't think he's going to get plunked tonight, but, um, you know, I guess you never know. We'll see in the bottom of the first inning when those two guys face off against each other. So um, you're going to hear from Alex Verdugo uh, in a little bit, but first, uh, on the other side of this, my six up and four down for the Red Sox in 2023. So we teased that Alex Verdugo uh, is going to be, you know, part of the show a little later. We have some audio from him from last night. And I think that's a great place to start for the six up uh, part of, of this program. I mean, this is a guy who Alex Cora challenged last year. He said at the end of the season, I was the one that asked him the question. I said, you know, Alex, is there a player on the 2023 Red Sox that you expect to have back that you really need to have take a step forward? And I swear to God, the answer or the question wasn't out of my mouth when Alex Cora looked at me and said, Alex, Alex Verdugo. 
And it was clear, you know, they were not happy with the conditioning last year. They were not happy with how he, he might've changed his body to hit for more power. They were not thrilled with some of the routines and kind of running the beat of his own drum pregame. And, um, you know, I heard Kenley Jansen said to me in spring training, this guy could be like a perennial all-star hall of famer. He's that good talent, that talented rich Hill, you know, all the guys that played with him in LA have said that for a long time. It was just kind of about changing that routine and really committing. And, and as I wrote in spring training, Alex Verdugo did that. He talked the talk during spring training. He said he was tired of people talking. We'll say crap. He's going to drop an expletive later. So I guess I could have, but um, he was tired of people talking crap and he wanted to go out and deliver and so far, I mean, the numbers have been amazing. He's hitting 317, five homers, 18 RBIs, and a 905 OPS. That OPS is it's higher than Rafael Devers, who's been scuffling here for a bit. Um, and Verdugo is, you know, a great, great leadoff hitter and a great clutch player. We've seen the three walk-offs, the homer over the weekend, or, or Monday night, I guess. Um, I just think it, it's just been as good of a start for him as possible. You know, I mean, he's just been – delivering every night the consistency's been there he's played a great right field and, and Alex Cora we always you know we always say Alex Cora can get the most out of players we saw Devers take a step under him we saw Bogarts take a step under him Eduardo Rodriguez back when he was here and I think he was a great example of Cora you know the tough love approach working um, he did that with Alex Verdugo and and the results so far I know it's only been a month um, have been amazing so um, you know but again, it's a lot to talk to talk during spring training. We saw two guys really do that, Alex Verdugo and Tristan Casas, I think uh, kind of a lot. And uh, one of them's delivered, one of them hasn't. We'll get back to um, Casas, obviously, in the uh, the four down piece of this. Um, you know, I think that he's he's obviously a guy on the on the other side of the spectrum. Number two on the, the six up, this is a guy that probably would not have been uh, on this list two weeks ago, but has been outrageously good for the Red Sox, Masataka Yoshida. The adjustment period, I, I said on this show, and I've said different places before, you had to give this guy some time to adjust to the majors, right? We talked about it with Trevor Story last year. He was, you know, coming to a new league, new city, had a baby during all of it, had five days of spring training, all these different things, you know, Trevor Story had to deal with, and he was just coming from Denver to Boston, you know, not Japan to Boston. And, Masataka Yoshida adjusting to pitching and travel and all the different things that come with playing in the majors, a slow start for the first, uh, you know, couple of weeks. And I think, you know, in Boston, obviously there's not a lot of patience for that. Since then, the numbers speak for themselves, 12 game hitting streak, the longest active streak in baseball hitting 435 in that span, 20 for 46 with four homers, four RBIs, thir- uh, no, four homers, four doubles, 13 RBIs, four walks. I mean, we knew the guy was not going to strike out and, and that has been, Really, the case so far, 13 walks and 11 strikeouts. I mean, the guy has been very, very good. Um, and I think he's, he's held his own in left field, obviously. <clears throat> I don't think anybody expects him to be a gold glover. Um, but, you know, Yoshida, you look up. And, and now hitting 298 with a 902 OPS, that's right on on with Verdugo and uh, higher than Devers. And, um, you know, obviously, Kike and Duran or Kike and Turner and some of these expected contributors in the lineup. So, so far, so good with Yoshida. Um, I, I've said it before, time bloom. Um, a lot of expectations with Yoshida. He kind of, uh, you know, decided to tie himself to that guy by giving him that contract and all that type of stuff. Um, I, I think that he, uh, you know, has been has been great so far. And obviously, the last couple of weeks have been excellent. Uh, the third on the three up is, is the Red Sox catchers. We'll, we'll lump them together here because as Alex Cora said last night after Connor Wong's incredible performance, two homers, four hits, and four missiles against the Blue Jays, 
they might have the best hitting catcher in baseball, and it's not one guy. It's two guys, uh, Reese McGuire and Connor Wong. I mean, Wong has been uh, torrid the last few days. We saw it last night. You know, four balls hit extremely hard, 114-mile-an-hour double that looked like it was going to go through the monster. But, I mean, he's 11 for his last 18, six RBIs, three homers, two homers last night, and obviously two clutch ones. McGuire, again, hitting over 300 at 317. So, you know, you look at um, – kind of the team stats and this was shocking to me last night because this again this is a tandem of Reese McGuire and Connor Wong this isn't you know your uh, top offensive hitting catchers in baseball but the Red Sox are um, among catchers in baseball leading the league in average which is insane at 314 third best in OPS 839 fourth best in slugging you know I think it's fifth fifth best in on-base percentage I mean obviously Wong's stats are padded from the last few days but just really you know Great breakout performances from those guys. And, you know, I think the Red Sox wanted those guys to come in. And if they hit, it was a bonus because they like the defense. So far, you know, obviously, McGuire's been putrid throwing out runners. I think he's one for 21. Um, and Wong has been great with it. So expect to see a lot of Wong in the lineup. But just both, both, what both of those guys have done, you know, credit Heim Bloom for, for really sticking with those guys. I, I thought all offseason they should go out and get somebody. You know, Wilson Contreras or... And even a Christian Vasquez or a Mike Zanino, something like that. But, you know, they stuck to their guns on these two guys. And, you know, he also, Heim deserves credit for that Jake Diekman, Reese McGuire trade because uh, Jake Diekman was DFA'd for the White Sox from, by the White Sox yesterday. And McGuire's turned out to be a good player. I think the biggest, one of the biggest stars so far for me for the Red Sox on the pitching side, which has not been pretty generally, we have a couple of candidates on the six up, but. Kenley Jansen, who we had an awesome time with last week on the show, has been awesome. I know he blew a save over the weekend, but six for seven, 1.04 ERA, 12 strikeouts and eight and two thirds. Um, and we can attribute that blown save to a bad back, which has kept him out for the last three or four days. Um, Jansen has been amazing on the field. He's been basically shut down the entire time all season long. He's throwing harder than ever. His stuff looks amazing. And more than that, he's really emerged as a leader of the staff. Um, you can see just being in the clubhouse, the way he interacts with young pitchers, whether it be Zach Kelly on opening day or Garrett Whitlock after his starts. Like, he's very, very invested the way a lot of veterans with that many accomplishments might not be. Um, he's incredible to talk to with the media. Um, he's just a very friendly, uh, kind of likable guy and, and has fit in amazingly to the Red Sox clubhouse. You know, I think there was a lot of talk about, you know, leadership and who would step up. Kenley Jansen definitely has. He deserves a lot of credit for that and obviously a great performance on the field as well. Sticking with the pitching staff, two other superstars that have kind of emerged out of nowhere on this pitching staff are Josh Winkowski and Cutter Crawford. I mean, Josh Winkowski, we saw his first save last night, a 1-6-1 ERA in 22 and a third inning, 17 strikeouts, limiting the walks. He only has five of those. I mean, this is a guy that has really taken a massive step forward. Um, he's confident on the mound. He's passionate on the mound. And the Red Sox think they have a Garrett Whitlock type weapon in him where he can be a multi-inning guy or, or kind of a bridge guy or whatever it is, along with Cutter Crawford, who has pitched really well in relief, um, you know, in some of those longer stints, whether they be, you know, six and a third, I think on Marathon Monday or four innings the other day, Cutter Crawford's a guy that's come in and stabilized the game. And, and the Red Sox really view him as both of those guys now as two of their best pitchers. So we knew this bullpen was going to be better with Chris Martin, Kenley Jansen, uh, Richard Blyer, who struggled, and Jolie Rodriguez, who we haven't seen yet, entering the mix, and Schreiber coming back, and Houck maybe being part of it, which hasn't been the case so far. The fact that they've had Winkowski and Crawford step up, kind of, again, out of nowhere, um, 
has really helped Alex Gore at a time where, where he's been, you know, short on arms. The rotation hasn't been fully healthy yet. Obviously, Whitlock down now. Paxton's still out. Chris Martin was out. Joely Rodriguez was out. Zach Kelly out for a significant amount of time. And, and those guys have really stabilized it. And, you know, I think he, Alex Gore has said, you know, he doesn't know where they'd be without Winkowski and Crawford. And the last guy, a guy that um, was a, a pariah here last summer and has been excellent since coming up, Jaron Duran. 15 games, the guy's hitting 396. He has two homers, 11 RBI. Um, you know, yes, he's, he's still striking out at kind of a high clip, but I mean, he's getting on base 414 and, and OPS over 1,015 games. I mean, this is a, a complete hitter, um, a guy who can change the game, you know, dynamically. And I think he's looked better in center field too. So, um, Jaron Duran with yet another chance to contribute in the majors. And this time, you know, at least early, he's, uh, he's running with it. Expect him to be in the lineup against Alec Manoa tonight. 17 and 14, I think that's better when, where uh, anyone would have expected the Red Sox to be at this point. They're interesting and, and, and they seem likable and all that. But there are guys who are on the down list. Um, I think some of them are obvious. Uh, we'll start with basically the entire starting rotation. You look at this group and it's not pretty. The ERAs speak for themselves. Sale, 675. Hauk, 534. Pavetta, 511. Kluber, 644. Um, Whitlock, 619. Bayo, 657. I mean, those are ugly numbers. And the fact the Red Sox offense has been able to basically keep the team in games all year is really impressive. You know, obviously, this is going to be a seven-man group that changes throughout the season. I, I think in a perfect world, the Red Sox want to keep Houck in the rotation just because he's kind of, you know, other than, you know, the six-run inning last night or an uneven start last time in Baltimore. He's kept them in games more than pretty much anyone else has, and the arsenal has expanded. Um, my guess still is that is – that, uh, you know, Bayo maybe goes down back to AAA and, and Pavetta goes to the bullpen when Paxton comes back because I think the Red Sox do want to see what they have in Paxton. But that's a group, you know, that needs to improve. Very, very simple. I mean, they've been very bad to start the season. I know Sales had a couple good outings and Kluber's looked better lately and all that stuff. But you look at the numbers and they're ugly. Um, and it's an area that I thought would be a strength of this team just because there's so much pure talent there. The Red Sox are hoping that that bears out and that's the case. The last, the second and final down on the pitching side, Ryan Brazier, I mean, this speaks for itself. I don't understand what they're doing there. It feels like, you know, when Joely Rodriguez is back or some of these guys come back, they're going to need to, you know, um, open a roster spot. He might be on borrowed time. The numbers speak for themselves. 836 ERA in 14 innings. That's 13 earned runs and uh, eight walks and 15 hits in 14 innings. I'd be shocked if Ryan Brazier is still on the Red Sox by the end of May, but we've been surprised with that before. On the offensive side, uh, two downs for me that are uh, pretty, pretty prominent guys. Tristan Costa's season has been nothing short of a major disappointment. Um, he's obviously working really hard and, and is still passionate, still very confident about what he can do. But major league pitchers have adjusted, and he um, has, to this point, not adjusted back. 78 at-bats uh, for Tristan Casas, hitting 128 with a 563 OPS, 281 on base, 17 walks. So he is walking as always, but 29 strikeouts, only three homers. He just has looked lost at the plate. He's missing his pitch. He seems dejected at times. Um, seems kind of shocked that the umpires are calling him out on called third strikes. Um, very, very passionate about that one walk at Tropicana Field. But so far for Casas, it's been a, a real struggle and a prolonged struggle in 26 games. So the Red Sox don't have much in terms of options there. Um, you know, what do you, do you give Justin Turner first base full time and, you know, maybe shift around the outfield where you have a DH. 
maybe that works for a little bit and the option costs us down. I don't think they think Bobby Dahlbeck can come up and, and really, you know, be that guy on a consistent basis. I think they've tried that too many times. So Costas is getting a long leash here, um, but it's just, it's just not working right now. And the other guy that I think has, has been a disappointment so far this season, a lot of expectations around Kike Hernandez. I know he got hot there for a week, but if you look at the offensive numbers, 236, 682 OPS, not a lot of pop, you know, three homers and six doubles. And um, the defensive shortstop has been bad. You know, there's a ton of errors there. We saw two in a row the other night. Um, the Red Sox don't want to be playing him at shortstop. I don't think anymore. That's why Yu Chang was playing over him there. And Kike obviously can provide versatility and is a good defensive center fielder and second baseman, but as a full-time shortstop, I just don't think that's sustainable. Obviously they expect, you know, Chang, Story, and Mondesi to come back and play that position at some point. But, you know, I think Hernandez and to a lesser extent, Justin Turner, um, I've been a little disappointing this year. You know, I know Turner gets on base and all that, but, um, I think the Red Sox are going to need more contributions from those two guys or two former Dodgers as the season goes on. So that's six up and four down for the 17 and 14 Red Sox. Obviously those things are going to change probably uh, pretty soon. Um, you know, at this point in the year, we're not over the point where um, one game can't change your numbers drastically, but um, that's where they are now. So quick uh, break here. And then we will get Alex Verdugo's unfiltered thoughts. And by unfiltered with him, we always mean unfiltered. You've seen it on Ness and with you, my Webster on Alec Manoa and their matchup tonight. As you know, tomorrow's starting pitcher uh, yeah. is the guy that you <laughs> had some comments on. Are you, like, more geared up to face him after that kind of whole thing or just another game, or how do you look at it? Uh, I think for me it's just another game. Um, you know, I've actually uh, – I regret saying what I did, uh, to like at least to the media, you know, because it's something I feel like I should have just – Man to man, like said it to him. Yeah. And uh, you know, I feel like at some point now, I would like to have a conversation with him. I'd like mm -hmm. to talk to him, just, just me versus, like, just me and him, just, uh, you know, kind of clear out some air, just, just fucking, like I said, just be professional about it, right? But um, obviously, he's a, he's one of those guys that he's a good pitcher. He's, you know, carries a chip on his shoulder, and, um, <laughs> you know, we're just, we're just gonna see what happens. But I, I for me, like, it's not gonna be to go up there and. and you know, try to get emotional with it. Yeah. I feel like it's just, you know, take it as what it is. It's another pitcher, another righty. You know, got to still get strikes, swing at strikes, and put good swings on the ball. But, um, yeah, like I said, man, I, I, at some point, you know, I'm, I'm going to see if I can get a get a little one-on-one -on -one just to I can just talk to him. Do you regret it? Do you take back what you said? No, I don't. I, so it's not necessarily <laughs> like that I take back what right, I said. Right. Um, I just think that, you know, when you're when – you're, Cause he's good, man. When he when you're good like that, bro, you don't you don't need to do some of the an other antic stuff mm -hmm. to kind of you know um, that that he kind of does sometimes. But right. like I said, it's just you know we had some bad blood here and there. Like there's some there's some times where it was just um, you know I felt like it was a little bit too much and crossing the line. And you know, like I said, it's just more of a you know I, I talked to a lot of like the Blue Jays, a lot of guys in general that. You know, they all say he's a good teammate. He's a good guy. Yeah. So um, just when he's on the field, he just it's just a different person, right? Like a different uh, mindset out there. And, you know, part of me, I can respect that. And I understand, like, you know, that's that's what he might need to get amped up. It's just at the same time, it's like, you know, this game, this game's hard, man. This game will humble you. This game is, uh, you know, there's a lot of things. And I feel like if you go about it more the right way, you know, you're going to get more, more respect, not only from fans, but from, uh, you know, opposing players. So, um, yeah, like I said, man, it's just 
nothing really too much to look into it like that. I'm not yeah. I'm not going in there and being like, oh man, we got this beef going because at the end of the day, like <laughs> right. you know, I wanna I wanna have a one on one. I wanna talk to him and just uh, you know, kind of clear the air on my side and you know, hey, if if he wants to accept it, we accept it. If mm-hmm. not, then you know we can continue doing what we are. But um, like I said, man, I, I ain't got nothing against him as a person. It's just more. You know, some of the antics that I've seen against us that right. have rubbed me the wrong way. Are you afraid of getting plunked at all? No, no, I don't do it. I just got hit in the stomach today. I, don't, <laughs> I really don't care about getting hit. You know, yeah. a hit is just, it's an extra, you know, it's, it's on base percentage, right. right? You know what I mean? So I don't I don't think it's going to get to that. I don't think we're, we're at that kind of, like, beef. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I still expect everybody to be professional and, and go about it the right way and him, him trying to make his pitches and, you know, get me out. And, um, yeah. Yes, I, I really, if he does. <laughs> I mean, we'll see, bro. We'll see. You know, what I'm saying. I, I just, like I said, bro. Uh, we'll we'll see. We'll see what it uh, what it looks like out there, man. I, like I said, it's just, I don't care if you yell, if you scream, if you get fired up, and it's directed towards your dugout, towards mm-hmm. towards yourself, or or you know, yeah, like you, do that, man. All but just the whole staring like a hitter down, like watching him back, talking shit to them on the way back is a little bit yeah. uh, iffy for me. So. Um, but yeah, like I said, it's not. I don't. I'm not trying to, trying to make it what like media is trying to make it, right? You know what I mean? It's just. It's another day. We gotta go out there. Gotta have at bats, and uh, you know we got eight more players in that lineup that are gonna try to get to them. Right. Thanks a lot. Yep. Appreciate it.